Good morning, church. See, Greg was having to fight the lights up here. I'm just numb to it. <laughs> uh, we're so glad that you are all with us this morning. I want to welcome those that are with us online. Uh, so glad that you are able to worship together with us this morning. Uh, before I jump into our message, just a couple of things I want to be able to celebrate. First off, uh, we're not gonna, I'm not going to uh, show the pictures this week because I want to let him do that next week. But Pastor Dan and Pastor Amanda had their baby this past week. And so uh, I... I will give Pastor Dan the privilege of introducing his new son, Camden, to us next week. But we are so grateful for them. If you want to encourage them, reach out to them. I think there's even a food tidings for them if you want to support them that way. Uh, But there's another opportunity that I want to make you aware of. Amber and I have been talking about this over the last few months. And I am so excited to announce that we have an official start day for our recovery ministry here at Zoe Church. It has been something that's been in the works over the last several months. And November 16th, mark it on your calendar, November 16th, it is a Tuesday uh, from 6.30 until 8 o'clock every Tuesday. This is one of those ministries that doesn't just happen when it's convenient. Every Tuesday, this recovery group is going to meet together specifically to help serve and meet the needs of those that are dealing with chemical addiction. And so we just believe that this is going to be an opportunity to see freedom in people's life. And we are so excited that we get to have this launching. And so there's two things I want to invite you into. Number one, I need your help with something. Got to start talking about it, okay? Some of you in this room You need a group like this for yourself. You're struggling with addiction in some way? Awesome, take the step to be a part of this. But I would guess all of us know someone. It's either a family, it's a friend, it's a neighbor who is struggling with addiction in some way. This might be a lifeline for them. And so I want you to begin to talk about that, begin to invite them to that. We're gonna be having a page on our website coming in the next week or two uh, that we'll be able to share those kind of things. But again, November 16th is when things get uh, started. The second thing that I wanna make you aware alongside this, uh, we are launching the ministry recovering, but a dream of ours is to also be able to offer childcare for those that are single moms and single dads that they can still be able to attend. But that's a dream that only happens if we have people in our congregation that are willing to step forward and be a part of that. And so what we're asking is some of you might say, you know what, I don't wanna, I don't wanna work in kids every week, but I, I could serve once a month. I could serve once every two months. I could do something like that. And so what I'm asking is every single one of you who would say, you know what, I, I'm not a recovery ministry person, but I could help partner. We believe this is for our community. And if you're open and willing to be a part of helping with childcare in some way, even if it's once every six months, I'm gonna encourage you, when service is over with, off to the right of our doors, uh, there's gonna be a table. We've got Kristen and Kari are gonna be back there. They'd love to be able to talk with you and just be able to sign you up if that's something you'd be interested in helping with, all right? Uh, but just so excited. Let's be in prayer uh, that this wouldn't just be another thing we do. We're not interested and wasting time doing things. We want to see God move in people's lives. And so that's why we do this thing, all right? Awesome. Well, we are in week six of a seven-week series. We'll be wrapping our series off next week, the series I Am. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been wrestling with the idea of identity. Identity. And I've said every single one of us are asking a very simple question. It's this, who am I? Who am I? From a very young age until the end of our lives, we're asking the question, who am I? And we oftentimes are trying to discover the answer, try and figure out the answer in a myriad of different ways. And what we've said throughout this series, if you've missed it at all, I'd encourage you to go back and watch the messages. But what we've discovered is that God's desire for us is that we would receive our identity from Him rather than try to find our identity in other things. See, when we're trying to find our identity, oftentimes we end up losing our identity in those things. 
And this whole concept of identity is really a daily battle. It isn't something like, oh, solved it, no big deal. I've got my identity in Christ, that's all, that's great. No, every day you wake up and the world's trying to get you to find your identity in something else. It doesn't matter that you're a follower of Christ. Tomorrow, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Because it's very easy to forget. It's very easy to get taken in by the things that the world offers to us. And so I've given you a picture. You're probably tired of looking at it, but I'm going to show it to you again anyways. This picture of the boat, right? And I said, when we get in the boat, there are things that become true of us. And the same is true when we are in Christ. When you are in Christ, when you have given your life to Christ, there are things that become true of you, not because you're so amazing, but simply because you are in Christ. And over these weeks, we've been sharing what are some of the things that are true of us because we are in Christ. And so I'm going to make you say some things out loud with me right now. I know how much you guys love this, okay? Here we go, okay? Because we are in Christ, I want you to repeat after me. I am redeemed. I am am a saint. I am adopted. See, the more we understand who we are in Christ, the more we can live as we should and as God has called us to. And let me explain this to you, okay? When you, listen to me, when you understand that you're redeemed, there's actually a joy and a peace that you can have in life. Because you know that you're bought back. Like, oh, that mess that I have in my past, rather than being embarrassed about it, I know that there's a peace there. Like, there's a joy in that. Right? When you understand that you are a saint, not that you're trying to be a saint, but that you are a saint, there is a freedom that's available to you. Because rather than trying to fight for a position, you get to live from the position Christ has purchased for you. And when you understand that you are adopted, when you understand that you are a child of God, there is a security, there is a safety, there is a confidence that comes from that. Okay? And this morning, we're going to look at another one of those. And this is one of those that I believe if we get a hold of it, it will give us purpose for who we are in Christ. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there in your Bibles with me. If you're in our Bible reading plan, we're going through the New Testament right now. So if you've gotten off at all, don't worry about it. Jump back in. You can find our reading plan on our homepage by clicking the button at the top of that. Would you stand with me across the room? this is your first time, there's nothing sacred about Santa. It's just what we do to say, God, we reverence your word over my words. And we want to hear what you have to say to us. Second Corinthians chapter five, beginning in verse 16 says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you speak a better word over our lives than the world does. So God, I pray that we'd actually believe it and that we'd live it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. You can be seated. Uh, How many out there know a spoiled child? Anybody know a spoiled child? How many of you drove in the car with a spoiled child this morning? (laughs) It's fine. How many of you were the spoiled child? Any of you out there? I think I was a little, I was like the young one. I was the only boy, you know, that was great, you know. 
that happens a little bit, but we all understand what happens when you're spoiled. When, when kids get what they always want, when they always want it, things go sideways, don't they? Right? Kids get spoiled. And here's what we have to understand. When, it, when it's all about us, the joy actually gets lost. When it becomes all about us, we lose joy. We weren't designed to be the focal point. When we are, things get toxic. Okay? This happened to Amber and I a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Amber and I, uh, if you know us, we're, we're kind of like Holiday Inn kind of people. Okay? That's what we are. Okay? But a couple of weeks ago, we got invited to a conference. And this conference was held at the Ritz-Carlton. If you've ever been to a Ritz-Carlton, it's, it's a little upscale for us, you know? It's a little, a little top-notch, you know? And it was very like, whoa, look at all these. They got people, and they're like, yes, Mr. and Mrs. Lenz. They're like, this is uncomfortable. This is but as, as it goes on, if you've ever been to one of those kind of fancy hotels like that, it, it was like, well, suddenly I kind of like this. <laughs> I got people doing stuff for me, taking care of things. It was like, whoa, this is slick. This is awesome, right? And the crazy thing, like, they would come and clean your room up, but it was like next-level cleaning up. I mean, like, somebody spent an hour in there. It was unbelievable. But we went into the room, and my cable for my cell phone, you know, like my four-foot cable, I go into my four, no joke, my four-foot cable, after they cleaned my room, they had wrapped it perfectly and tied it together with a golden ribbon. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this is next level, right? Okay, a little beyond what, we're not used to this kind of thing. But here's what happened a couple days into this, Right? I start getting used to this, right? It's like, this is nice. And there was one day we walked into, into our hotel room and we assumed that it had been cleaned already because they do their little cleaning. And I walked in, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> they haven't cleaned our room yet. And like, I stopped for a second, Greg, you got to calm down. Like, you're getting snotty, you're getting spoiled. But that's what happens when we begin to think that it's all about us. And here's what we have to understand, that faith can be the same way. Why do we worship on Sunday mornings? Why do we gather? What's the first thing? We sing songs about who he is. Why? Because it's a reminder that it's not about us. Because it's very easy to think that it's all about us. It's a reminder that we're not the point. We're not the center. It's actually the most life-giving thing for us. Because when we become the center, hear this, when anything is all about us, it rots. It just does. Think about it. Anything in life, when it becomes all about you, suddenly you turn inward. You turn into that spoiled child, like, what about me? What about me? And that good thing that you had suddenly isn't good anymore. And I think this can be true of our identity here, right? We get in this series and we talk about I am, I am, I am, all these things that God, and this is good stuff, and I love it, and we have to get a hold of this. But if we think that we're the end, if we think that it ultimately is all about us, it will rot you. It will become toxic in your life. And so this morning, we're going to look at two more principles of who we are. One of those is one that really relates to who we are, but one of those absolutely will assign a purpose to our hearts that makes sure it doesn't become all about us, all right? If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write two things down. The first one is this truth. In Christ, we are reconciled. In Christ, we are reconciled reconciled. You know what it's like to be reconciled, right? You ever had in a fight? You've been in an argument, you know, with a friend, with a spouse, with a parent, with a child, one of those kinds. You have that moment, and you have that season. Maybe it's a few hours. Maybe it's a few days. Maybe it's a few weeks where there's tension, you know? Every time you're talking, you just feel the tension. You know, you're just like, you're on eggshells. Some of you experience that. Some of your homes are like that on a regular basis. It's just eggshells all the time. You know what that's like, and then you have that moment, right? That moment of reconciliation, 
you kind of figure stuff out, whatever was going sideways, you got that worked out. And you know that feeling of just like, right? That feeling of just like, okay, we've moved through this, we've reconciled. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. Is that there is a sense of this peace, there is a sense of a union. You see, mankind understands this. That's why we have so many religious systems in the world. Mankind feels this deep, overwhelmed feeling, this this brokenness, this sense that things aren't right. Mankind feels this. This is why mankind has created so many religious systems. Why? To try and reconcile themselves to God. To try and come up with a way to make things right with God. That's what every religious system is all about. It's like, how do I solve this problem? This, This deep abiding issue that I feel in my heart, how do I fix this? How do I overcome this? But the good news of the gospel flips that completely. What does it say here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16? It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new has come. You're in Christ, you're a new creation. But here's the thing you got to get hold of. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's the gospel. So the gospel isn't you reconciling yourself to God, you fixing the problem. It is God reconciling you to himself in Christ. That's the good news. This is where there is freedom. This is where there is joy. This is why there is hope. This is why the gospel is something that we shouldn't be holding to ourselves because it is good news. In Christ, we are reconciled. We aren't people trying to earn the favor of God. We are people who have been given God's favor in Christ. All right? That's what being reconciled to God means. And I think this should change how we approach God. Okay, think about this for a second. Think about normal relationships. When you have those times where where things are rocky, okay? Think about it. Some of you right now, you're in a rocky relationship or a a rocky situation. When you're in those moments, and maybe you've offended somebody, you've hurt somebody, you've done those kind of things. How many of you know sometimes we try to suck up to try and make make better, right? Like when when I frustrate my wife or I've done something to hurt my wife, guess what I do a lot of? Cleaning, okay? (laughs) I'm gonna clean something. Look at me, babe. I'm cleaning now, right? Right? You know what I'm saying, right? I'm like, look, I bought you something, sweetheart. I love you, right? We do this. We suck up to one another to try and like pacify because, oh, things aren't right, so I'm going to try and make it better. What's the result of that? It's a plastic fake relationship. I mean, as much as I love it when people suck up to me and do things for me and give me things, it's not a real authentic relationship. It's artificial. And see, this is what happens, I believe, with God. When we don't understand that we have been reconciled in Christ then what are we trying to do? We are constantly trying to reconcile ourselves to Christ to prove our goodness before God. And what happens when you're trying to prove your goodness to God? You only give him so much. You don't show him all the warts because you're like, oh no, but he might not like me, right? We only bring the stuff we feel good about to God. But when we have an understanding of that we are reconciled to God, it isn't us, it is because we are in Christ. When we understand that, it allows us to have an authentic relationship with God, to present, as David has seen throughout the book of Psalms, the good, the bad, the ugly, we bring it all to God. We're not hiding stuff. We don't create a plastic relationship. Why? Because we have already been reconciled to God, and we get to live in the freedom that's produced from that, okay? That's what it means to be reconciled. To God. 
This passage, though, gives us more than that. I say, great, I'm reconciled to God. Cool. It's all about me again. But this passage gives us purpose as well. And that's what I want to look at for the rest of our time together. And it's this simple truth. In Christ, we are ministers of reconciliation. In Christ, we are ministers of reconciliation. Look at verse number 18 with me. It says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. See, this is the purpose. You aren't simply invited in to get there. Here's an identity. Here's who you are. Now just sit there and enjoy in it revel in it, right? Just sit and just celebrate your identity. No, no. You've been given an identity so that you can actually do something with your identity to be able to be what, what it says here, a minister of reconciliation. Now, I want, before I d- explain what that is, I want to explain what that isn't, okay? Because what we have to understand here is that a lot of times, you remember I said context, you got to know the context. Otherwise, we pluck ideas out and then we just use them for our own purposes, I would say right now in our world, this concept of being a minister of reconciliation, because there's so much brokenness in our world, it's getting hijacked with a lot of other ideas. The text tells us what it means to be a minister of reconciliation and what it's talking about. And when we know what it's talking about, then we know what it's not specifically talking about. Okay? So what is it talking about? A minister of reconciliation. It says this, the message of reconciliation is that God is reconciling people to himself in Christ. That's it. That's what it means to be a minister of reconciliation. Now, are there other ways that we can reconcile different peoples, all these kind of things right now? Racial reconciliation, that's a good thing, but that's not what this text is about. The text is talking about that our primary role as followers of Christ is to preach the message of reconciliation between us, broken, lost people, and a holy, almighty God. That's what we have been given. We've given the ministry of that, to share that message, to share that hope with the world around us. That's what we are called to. That's what we've been entrusted. Many translations, it says that we've been entrusted this message to share. That's what God has called us to. And so when you look at the text, I love it. It says uh, that we are ambassadors, right? We're ambassadors. We all know what an ambassador is, right? We got ambassadors for America that go to other nations, right? They are a representative. They are bringing the values, the thoughts, the ideals of this kingdom to other countries. That's what we are as ambassadors for Christ. We are taking the kingdom principles, the ideas, the ideals, the values, and we are bringing those to the world around us. It goes on later in the passage and it says that we are God's co-workers, okay? We are co-workers. We aren't just doing this on our own. We're doing this thing with God. It's not just his thing. It's not just our thing. We're working on this thing together to bring the message of God's redemptive power to the world. That all mankind is reconciled to him in Christ. All right? So our job is not to just simply sit around and revel in our salvation. We have been given a message of salvation to share. And so it's really easy to sit and talk about that. But this morning, I wanted to be able to help share some story to give some context to understand what can that look like and what should that look like for us. And so I, I, uh, we've got a special guest who's coming uh, from a long ways away and just super excited for her to be able to come. Uh, you might know who that is. It's my wife, Amber. So would you give it up for my wife? 
I came from so far. From the front row. From the all front the row. Way from all the, the way. Front row, all the way from our house. Way to go. Way to go. Uh, we're just, uh, so this whole idea of reconciliation, I lo- when I was kind of thinking about this, I just thinking about Amber's story. And uh, for many of you, maybe you know parts of Amber's story, but others of you probably don't know that. And so there'll be another time and place for her to share all of her story. Um, but I thought there was a piece of her story that really makes sense. And so to, to kind of get a setup, why don't you tell a little bit about your upbringing and where you were in your faith journey kind of as you wrapped up high school? All right. Well, hello again. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. My dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor for the last 28 years. Got saved later on in life radically and um, became a pastor years after that. And so uh, I knew the gospel. I knew the truth. And I chose to ignore it, really. Uh, You know, in hindsight, when I look back to my childhood and I look back to the things, the way I lived my life, my faith was never my own. I mean, I knew what was true, but I didn't know if I fully wanted to believe it and I wanted to live it. And so, so much of my identity and who I was was caught up in other things of this world. Um, my, my idea of feeling fulfilled was partying with my friends all the time. I struggled with an eating di- addiction. I looked for everything in my reach that would give me hope or security, but actually gave me the complete opposite. Uh, my identity was wrapped up in relationships I had with guys. And you know, it got to this point in my life where everything was so messy. I was so lost. I felt so alone. And I felt like I had nobody to talk to. And uh, from the outside looking in, you know, people would always tell me like, oh, Amber, you're just so perfect. You got it all together. And I felt like if you only knew the train wreck that I was in. And I honestly didn't even feel like I could talk about it because like so many of you, the people in the church are who hurt me the most. And I would find out that there were meetings about how bad I was and all these things. And I got to this point where I'm like, you know, the way I'm living my life, it's not for the Lord. But honestly, I really want nothing to do with it. Because at this point, I am so far gone that there's no way there could be reconciliation. And the people in the church were the ones who were hurting me the most. And I felt so lost, so abandoned. And I got to this point of complete, really, desperation. I didn't really know where to turn. I, I felt like if I talked about what I was struggling with, I would only be more condemned for it. And so I just, I hid it from everybody, or I tried to hide it from everybody. That's great. So, uh obviously fast-forwarding a little bit through the story, there was a moment for you specifically, because you were in this place of saying, okay, I'm a train wreck, I'm a mess, I'm not reconciled to God clearly, but I don't know that I could ever be reconciled to God. And you had a moment that kind of impacted you, that kind of helped set a new course for you. So, Yeah, I just want to say, first of all, you know, some of you are like, well, Amber, you were younger, you were a teenager. So yes, teenagers... This is for you to listen up, because I've been there and I've done that. But also some of you have walked in this room, and you're hiding things. Yeah. And you're desperate. And you feel like you got nobody that's going to understand. Or you feel like I felt. I felt like I was so far gone that I, there was no way God was ever taking me back. Yeah. I knew the truth. I knew better. And I chose to say, I'm done with that, and I'm going to do my own thing. And I tell this to some of the youth. I've told this to some of the youth. It was a very pivotal point in my life where I got to choose. Like, am I going to live for the Lord, or am I going to do my own thing? 
And at that point, I really had decided, I don't even know if I believe that there is God. So I'm going to go and try and do my own thing. And I got mono my senior year. Uh, it was the summer of my senior year. If you've had mono, it's awful. And I was really sick. I was actually on bed rest. And I had all of, I was very popular in high school, and I had all these friends. And guess what? Nobody came to visit me. <laughs> and I started to feel like, what is, what is the point of life? Like, here I thought I had all these friends, and life was so wonderful. But here I was in the basement of my parents' house, sick, and feeling so lonely and so abandoned. Well, one of the nights, I was feeling well enough that my mom and dad had this guest speaker at their church, and of course, they were like, Amber, you need to come to church. I'm like, seriously? That was like the last thing I wanted to do? Uh, but this is one of those moments in my life that I will never, ever forget. I went to the service. I sat in the back row. I was mad that I was there. And honestly, every time I walked into church, I kind of felt, well, I felt dirty. I felt alone. I felt like, oh, no, I hope nobody knows the stuff I just did the night before. Uh, many times I felt that. Uh, but this guest speaker who I had never met didn't really know my family. He walked right up to me. It's like I walked in the sanctuary, and he beelined it for me. I'm like, oh, great. He's coming <laughs> to tell me I'm going to hell. I know, you know. And he comes up to me, and he looks at me, and he gets down on his knees, and he said, Amber, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you something from the minute you walked in this room, that God wants to forgive all over your life. You just have to let him. And that was a moment for me that, like, man, if God's real, and he is who he says he is, and who I've heard that he is, that he could forgive me of everything then maybe, just maybe, I want to know who that God is. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. And so, so that began a journey of reconciliation, obviously, of seeing yourself reconciled to God. Um, but what I loved was early in Amber's, I, I would say, you know, even our relationship, there was the past that had happened, but very often it was like, I don't really want to talk about that. Like, let's ignore that. Let's not... Let's not share the story of how God reconciled you. Let's just, let's just carry on. And some of, you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, let's not go back there and relive those moments again. But God, there was a moment for you, I remember just in a youth group, where, where you, for the very first time, had an opportunity to share some things. And it began to open you up to being this minister of reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, like Greg said, my story and healing was super long, and there were things that happened in it even more that drew me actually away from the Lord before it brought me to him. Yeah. Um, but in a long story short, I end up being a, um, at, we were at Cedar Valley at the time, and I was an intern for the youth group. And I remember that was the first time in my life where I felt like I had a pastor. Ryan Skoog, some of you know him, was the youth pastor. And he took me under his wing, and he believed in me. And he kept telling me, like, Amber, your story is something that needs to be shared. And I'm like, no way, never sharing it, ever. And I'm for sure not ever talking about the details. And I remember the first time he asked me to speak at the youth group. I'm like, well, Greg, you're going to get fired because <laughs> I'm pretty sure pastors or their wives or their girlfriends shouldn't be talking about the things I'm going to talk about. And I remember that night where I shared for the very first time all that God had done in my life. It was hard 
for sure it was hard. And it dug up things of the past, because a lot of times people are like, why would I talk about the past? The past is the past. Because when you talk about the past, that gives room for healing. Yeah. And that gives room for restoration. And I remember that first time I shared my story, like five girls walked up to me and all five of them had struggled with an eating disorder. And I remember thinking, man, God, if I walked through what I walked through to help five girls, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Because my past and my story, it doesn't define me, it's just made me who I am. It's given me passions and desires to talk about the hard things. It's why we embrace the struggle here at Zoe Church, because I never want anybody to walk in these doors and think that they have to pretend to be somebody they're yep. not. Yep. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us have our junk together. <laughs> and if you think you do, you're wrong. <laughs> Just get it through your head. Just get it through your head. <laughs> and when I had the freedom of being able to talk about the things that I've walked through, every time, every story that I tell, I, there is healing that takes place in me, absolutely. But that gives me an opportunity to give glory and honor to the Lord because I would not would not be sitting here if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Because I wrestled for so long, like, God, you could never use me. You could never use my story. I could never be a pastor ever of a church because that's messy. Yeah. I'm messy. My family is messy. The stuff I walk through, it's messy. And that's where God stops us and says, I didn't ask you to come in whole. I've asked the broken to come in so I can give them restoration. Yeah. I can give them health. And then I can, in return, use you. Yeah. And so if you're, you're thinking, man, how can I be used? I don't have, we all have a story. Yeah. It's just if you're willing to share your story. It's good. It's good. It's good. So, uh, yeah, I, I've loved watching it. I've had a front row to watching Amber's own reconciliation become a message of reconciliation for other broken people to experience wholeness. And so what I want to do is we always have a big so what whenever we wrap messages up here. So what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything that I've shared so far and even forgot what my wife said, here's what we have to say. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing, all right? Why do so many churches become toxic? They forget their purpose and they turn inward. Why do so many believers become toxic? They forget their purpose and they turn inward, right? Remember, if there's anything that becomes all about you, it will rot. And even the good news of the gospel will begin to rot when we think it's all about us. When we turn inward and say, oh, it's all about me, all about me, all about me. Look how God is saving me and redeeming me and it's all about me, it's all about me. No, no, that will destroy you. You must be reminded that ultimately it is about him. It's ultimately about the message of salvation, the message of reconciliation, that God is redeeming all mankind to himself in Christ. And will you allow God to use you as a part of that ministry of reconciliation? We weren't blessed to sit around and just sing our own songs, right? If that's what we're gonna do, let's shut the doors. I don't wanna waste time here, okay? If it's just, oh, it's just all about me. No, no, no. We have been invited into something. We have been given purpose to join God in what he is doing. See, Jesus talked about this. He said, when he was speaking to believers, he said, listen, you guys, you're the salt of the world. He said, listen, you guys, you are the light of the world. He says that in Matthew chapter five. You're the light of the world. I've given you a purpose. 
Not that you, you just get saved and then you just kind of all about you. No, no, that you would shine brightly, that you would celebrate the goodness of a God who has redeemed you, right? And just like Amber, every single one of us who have given our lives to Christ have experienced that kind of reconciliation. My story is different than her story, but it doesn't change the fact that I've been reconciled to God that my brokenness is just as broken as hers is, right? But through Christ, I am reconciled. I've been given new life. And that's the gospel that every single person desperately needs to hear. We haven't received the good news of the gospel to sit on it. We've, given it, we've been given it to share it with one another. And if we miss this, I'll just say this, if we miss this, we've missed the very heart of God. We just have. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him, not perish, but have everlasting. He loves the whole world. He doesn't just love me because I'm a good church guy. He doesn't just love you because you're being a good person. He loves the world. He he gave his life for them. Would we understand that? As a pastor, I um, had the privilege, it's sad at times, but I've had the privilege of being with um, people at the end of their lives people just before they're about to pass away or people who are in the last few weeks of their kind of a battle with something. I've had the privilege to be with them. But you know what what happens in those moments? They don't talk about meaningless stuff. They They want to talk about the stuff that matters. And at the end of Jesus' life, he had a few moments left with his believers, his followers. And in that moment, as we know, he knew it was coming. He's like, I'm gonna leave the thing that really matters with these people. They forget, it was like his big so what, right? They forget everything else, all these years of ministry, they forget everything else that I've said. Here's what it says. And we find the end of Jesus' story at the beginning of the book of Acts. Jesus says this, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I want to say this to you. There's one word in here that I think matters. You will be my witnesses. Because some of you out there, you look at Amber's story, you're like, well, that's great, Amber, that's great. You have a great story. But you're also a pastor, and you're like a professional, and you know what you're doing. You know how to say all the right things, and you're so good at all these things. I could never do things like that. I could never share the hope of the gospel with somebody because I don't know how to do that. You have been called to be a witness. Hear this, you are not called to be a prosecuting attorney for Jesus Christ. Where you gotta win every battle, you gotta fight them, fight them to the death, right? No, you have not been called to be a defense attorney. I've gotta defend everything perfectly and if I don't defend God perfectly, it's good, I'm gonna just fail and I'm awful. No, 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 you are called to be a witness. And what does a witness do? All a witness does is say, here's what I saw, here's what I heard, here's what I've experienced. And so every single one of you, if you've been reconciled to God, you have a story to tell. You are a witness. You can be a witness. Simply sharing, listen, I was dead and now I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. I don't even know how to explain it right, but I know Jesus has done a work. I got in a boat and Jesus, and Greg talks about this. I got in a boat and now I got stuff. This is awesome. Some of you need to be set free. Like it's okay. You don't have to have all the fancy words to say. You are called to be a witness. You are called to be a blessing because you have been blessed in Christ. Therefore, we should be a blessing for the sake of those who are far from God. Would we do that? Sometimes, 
We make the spiritual thing way too complicated sometimes. Like, I gotta know exactly what to say. No, just what has God done in your life? Tell somebody. I want you just for a moment, I want you to think to yourself. Think about somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus and that you really, really love. Just think about it for a second. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's, um, you know, it's a coworker, might be a neighbor. You love them, but they don't know Jesus. And then I want you to honestly ask yourself, have I ever shared my story with them? I think for some of us, we, we answered the first two questions and we didn't want to answer the third. Because yeah, we know that person that we love. We know that person that doesn't know Christ and yet we've never shared our story with them of what God's done in our lives. I'm not asking you to become this great apologetic person who solves every problem. I'm just asking you, would we, would we be responsive to what God has done in our life? The, the purpose that he's given us to say, God, I will be a witness. I'm gonna be, I've been blessed in Christ. Help me to be a blessing. Help me to be a blessing so that someone else could hear about the hope of Jesus. Could we do that? So I wanna give us a challenge as we, as we end here this morning. And it's this, in your life, who has never heard your story of reconciliation? Look for an opportunity to share it. You're not looking to give them all the four spiritual laws and do all those kind of things. Share your story of what God has done in your life. Would you share that with someone? Would you look for an opportunity? Rather than sitting back and saying, I hope they don't ask. Because some of us, we know that. Like, I, don't, I hope they don't ask me because then I might have to tell, I don't want to make it uncomfortable. Listen, if they love you, they, they probably want to know what's important to you. So at least share the story. Give God an opportunity to do what only he can do. He's the one that draws people to himself. He's the one that calls people. Would we just be a part of the journey? So would you stand with me across the room? I want us to just, uh, I want us to pray for a moment. And I want to pray, I want right now, I want you to think of that person in your mind that you said, they don't know Christ and you love them. <laughs> I want you to think of them in your mind and right now we're going to pray over their hearts first. And then we're gonna pray over our own lives that we would have hearts that are responsive to say, God, we are willing to be that witness. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you have placed amazing people in our lives. And right now we know that there are people in our lives that do not know you. They've never been reconciled to you. And at the end of this life, the only thing that matters is our relationship with you. And so God, I pray for these lives. I pray that, that they would have hearts that are responsive to you, that you would begin to, to make their hearts tender and open to your spirit. God, that you would begin to draw them to yourself. God, we know that you are always at work, and so we're gonna trust that you're at work. God, would you do that in their hearts, in their lives, Jesus, right now? And then, God, we pray over our, our own lives, Lord. I pray that you would give us the courage to be a witness. God, that we would not take on something that we are not called to be, that we would not try to, you know, we're gonna try and win every argument. We're gonna try and win every battle. Instead, God, I pray that we would be faithful to share the message of reconciliation that God in Christ is reconciling mankind to himself. The good news of the gospel that says we are not the answer, but Christ is. And there is something available to every person who is willing to respond. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to share. Give us the courage to speak. Give us the courage to open our lives up that others might hear from you. We pray that in the name of Jesus.